Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino, OU stuff, we've got Walter Rouse and mid-year enrollees, National College Football Roundup, Tragedy at Georgia, Garrett Riley to Clemson, and some Jaden Rashada drama and winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man, Michael Hostie, will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, January 16th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Acker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one, number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of January, all you have to do is visit riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best now recording this early Sunday afternoon. Please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. Ted, we strategically started recording during the Bills-Dolphins game because you and I both didn't think it was going to be very close. The Bills have a commanding lead currently. But after Saturday night, man, we we may end up having to stop this thing at some point. Yeah, I don't. I don't feel as confident with Skylar Thompson as Trevor Lawrence, but then again, I don't think Skylar Thompson's thrown four interceptions like Trevor Lawrence did. So I, I don't know how to feel right now. Yeah. Well, Bill's currently up 17, nothing in the second quarter. So if anything starts going really sideways, we uh, we'll hop off and maybe, maybe I'll actually edit some things from this well, podcast. Doubtful. Doubtful. I'll, I'll say this. Just hang on to your money. Um, did you see the guy that bet $1.4 million on the live money line? Whenever... To win like $11,000? Yeah. Gone. What an idiot. Gone. <laughs> oh, that's so brutal, man. I uh, feel bad for him. Feel bad for him. We'll we'll get to more of that Woo. game in winners and losers, but let let's start with the OU stuff first. And graphic season continues, baby. 
and the Sooners got a very important graphic late in the week. Stanford transfer left tackle Walter Rouse. I've been told it's it's house with an R. Rouse has flipped his commitment from Nebraska to Oklahoma. This is a 6'6", 318-pound dude, and he looks solid. This is not a this is not a flabby 318, not sloppy at all. And Ted, this feels like a huge get for Bill Beanbow and for Jeff Levy and for Brent Venables. Yeah, no doubt. And you know, it's interesting. You know, all, all the rumor was that this is the tackle that they wanted. I they think that this dude is an absolute stud. They had they had handpicked this guy and wanted to go after him. So whenever he committed to Nebraska, it felt like a a big loss. Um, but somehow swung it back he's coming to Oklahoma and like if you look at like the 247 his portal ranking it's not very high but I'm not too concerned with that I you know with how adamant the the staff was that they wanted this guy that kind of tells me all I need to know right you you have to trust Brent Venables and remember Jeff Levy's an offensive line guy as well Guy played the position. Guy knows the position very, very well. You got to trust those guys' evaluation. But just to double check, guess who spent about two hours watching Stanford offensive line play on Saturday (laughs) afternoon? Hey, thorough. You got to be thorough, right? I was curious. I was curious. And the thing that stands out, like he's solid. Man, you can tell. This is a guy that has been in a college strength and conditioning program. For four years, he's mature. He's clearly strong. Guy that's started all kinds of games for Stanford. But I will say this. He's not as good as Anton Harrison, right? Right now. And and that's the thing. Like, that doesn't mean this guy can't get better. Just because he started all those games for Stanford doesn't mean he's a finished product. And that's why... And I think that's one of the things that people are missing. Like they're all excited about getting a guy that ex- that is experienced, that's mature, that's old, that's played a ton of football, like all those things. I'm excited because I want to see what Bill Beanbow is able to do with this guy. Mm-hmm. But he's not a finished product. And I'm sure Jerry Schmidt will push him to his limits physically. There's no doubt in my mind that that's going to happen. But the thing about Bill Beatonbow, and, and remember, he was only my coach for my senior year. But the thing about him, and remember, I thought I knew it all, right? <laughs> right. That that's kind of where you get when you've been you've been a three year starter. You get a new position coach. You're like, okay, like, hey, man, I got. It. But the thing that that Beatonbow really helped me with, he taught me some techniques I never uh, I'd never been taught that were extremely effective, uh, not only like with my hands, but what I did with my helmet, all these types of things. But I think the thing that separates Beatonbow from pretty much the rest of offensive line coaches is his ability to teach the game. He makes you understand not just what you're supposed to do, but why you're supposed to do it and how it all fits in the framework of the entirety of the offense. And then he teaches you defense. And what the picture should look like 
when you're in this certain formation about to run this certain play. And if the picture doesn't look like that, why is it not looking like that? And what is the defense trying to do to you? Like it is, it's a step. It was a, it was a step up in learning the position. And just from everything I've wet, read about Walter Rouse, seems like a guy that's going to have no problem absorbing all that information. What I'm saying, people, is I think he's a huge nerd, which <laughs> as a former nerd, I really, really appreciate. So I, dude, I'm excited not only because you address what I thought was a position of need with a mature guy that started a lot of football games, but I'm excited to see what Beanbow can do with this dude. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you're, you're never really a finished product as a player. You know, you're, you're either improving or starting to get worse as you get older. And, you know, I, I, I expect him to, to be better than he was the year previous. Uh, you know, I think sometimes the style of an offense or the guys that you're surrounded with can can really bring some of your your best potential out. And you know who knows, like if if he can get Savion Bird dialed away at left guard, and you know you got a guy that's that physical and that punishing inside of you, I'm, I'm sure that would help out quite a bit. Uh, but I love the frame six six three eighteen. That's that's about what. You know, if you look the NFL, that's about what you see. It's almost like copy and paste it onto every single roster. That's the size right there. As long as you've got plenty of arm length, and I'm guessing he does be a, a pretty good spot there. And even if he has peaked, you know, you can't have enough uh, talent and you can't have enough experience at tackle. What we used five of them this year. So, uh, you got to have some guys there that can push everyone and some leadership, some experience in the in the group. I think is really good because there's some youth in that uh, in that room. So I'm excited about it. And again, I, you know, just to go back and reemphasize, this is the guy that the staff had highlighted as the guy they wanted. So I like it. I uh, I'm with you, and I think it's important. Going into this offseason and heading into the training camp and into the next season, because I, I do think Jacob Sexton's injury was a was a serious injury. That that sets them back at the tackle position, right? Him getting hurt against Florida State. And and I'm about to just dive deep into the weeds here, mm -hmm. but I wonder what this means for Tyler Guyton. And let me reiterate, I think Tyler Guyton. I think his ceiling is like top 15 draft pick. I think he can be that good. Now, we've talked about the need for him to have a massive offseason, add strength, add explosiveness, and with how much that guy cares, I am, I'm very confident he's going to do what he needs to do to take his game to the next level. But you look at, you, you watch Guyton and you watch Rouse. Guyton is undoubtedly, just from what I've seen, I haven't seen Rouse up close in person. I haven't seen the way that he moves like at the field level, but Guyton's a more athletic guy just from what I've been able to see of Rouse. And it makes me wonder what Bill Beatonbow is going to do, right? Because you've got a left-handed quarterback in Dylan Gabriel. Do you want tra traditionally your left tackle and left tackle and right tackle? It's not like it used to be, but 
left tackle still the premier position, right? You go look at the highest paid tackles in the NFL. It's left tackle, right? That, that it is what it is. But with the left-handed quarterback, do you want Tyler Guyton, the more athletic guy at left tackle? Or do you want him on Dylan Gabriel's blind side at right tackle? Right where he showed, I thought he showed a lot of potential. I thought he looked very comfortable at right tackle. But I think Rouse is more than capable of playing right tackle. And traditionally speaking, when you look at the differences between those two positions, Rouse has the makeup and the movement patterns more of a right tackle than of a left tackle. He does, especially when you're comparing him to Guyton. So I'm really interested to see how this all plays out in spring ball and in training camp. And I know the season's a long way off, but I'm interested to see how Beatonbow handles that. He's going to have both guys playing both. That's how Bill always does it. He, He wants guys to be able to play both. But I'm interested in Dylan Gabriel being a lefty, like how that factors into the decision making for Bill and where he wants these guys to be. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, well, it's a good problem to have if if you've got a couple of guys that you feel like are interchangeable and, you know, maybe there's two answers to the equation, uh, right? So, yeah, I, I'm i with you. I, I, think, I think Tyler Guyton is, um, you know, the, the ceiling is incredibly high. But, I, you know, I don't know if football players are creatures of habit. Right. And once you get settled in somewhere, a lot of times there's this resistance to change. Like, even if it's something that may be better for you, you may be better at it. You know, maybe it's even more premium of a, of a position. There's this man, but I was really starting to find my groove here. So I don't really want to move, but you know, I, I don't find the right answers. And the, the good thing is, is, you've got the ingredients to be able to shake it up however you want and hopefully come up with a good starting five. No, I'm with you. And and this is something Venables talked about when we did the signing day stuff. They think Caden Green can help them right away. Mm-hmm. So yeah. adding Rouse, what does that mean for Green? Right? All of a sudden, I, I mean, there there's less pressure on him to get out there on the field and contribute right away as a true freshman. But can Beanbow now work green at tackle and guard and, and just see what it all looks like? You try to put him, just start him at tackle, see what it looks like. Uh, you can be a little more patient with it now that you have Rouse, like see how he settles into that position before you make the decision whether to kick him inside or not. I, I just feel like it gives... It gives Beanbow obviously more depth at the tackle position, which is massive, but it, it also just gives him a little more time, maybe with some of these young guys. You, you think about Sexton coming off the injury now. You think about Green coming in early, right? He, he's one of the mid-year enrollees. 
you think about what it could mean for J- a guy like Jake Taylor, who we saw at guard mm-hmm. this season. I, I don't know. I, I feel like there will be a positive domino effect to this guy being added to the roster. And, you know, that that doesn't even really get into the fact that this dude was a biomechanical engineering major at Stanford. Right. Like, I'm going to go out on a limb and say he's going to be able to absorb the system and be able to help young guys get up to speed, right? I'm just going to go out on a limb. I've seen a bunch of interviews he's done. I went down a YouTube rabbit hole. Man, this is a sharp kid with a lot of personality that certainly has his his priorities in the right place. But I just – I wonder what it all means, man. And I know I'm going deep in this conversation about offensive line, and this is what people listen to this podcast for. They want all the <laughs> O-line talk. There's no doubt. But I, I just it, – it feels like a really important get for Oklahoma. It, it feels like the domino effect of it is going to be very, very positive. Well, my, if for no other reason, just some experience. Because without him – we were going to be really young in that room, right? And now you get a guy that's played a ton of football just to sure that thing up a little bit. And, you know, some guys can learn from that, you know, learn from some of the practice habits and how you handle yourself. So there's there's always going to be that. But, yeah, it, you know, it, it gives you what you feel like is a guarantee at a left or right tackle spot, which means you can start – moving some other pieces around to figure out exactly what you got and, and probably speeds up the process a lot, you know, in, in the, in the meantime, because you got a guy that you feel like you can, you could just go ahead and straight up settle in with and start moving some other guys around instead of, you know, wasting 15 practices trying to figure out who goes where. Yeah. And some people may not realize this, like when you're in offensive line room, you Bill Beanbow's coaching all these positions. Now there's assistants, you know, Phil Lodeholt and his analyst role. Like there's, there's all kinds of things going on, but not having to worry about it. And let me make something clear. Like Bill's going to change some things about the way that Rouse plays, right? There's going to be some technical differences from what he was taught at Stanford to what Bill's going to want to see here at Oklahoma. And that's based on the offense, how they do things like there, there's going to be change. And that change is going to be uncomfortable for Rouse at points in time. It just is. But Bill's going to coach it the way that he's coached it. He coaches it, and he's going to expect Rouse to do it that way. Now, with Rouse's level of intelligence, I've got to imagine he is going to quickly realize that Beanbow is not a man to be trifled with. You will do it as he says it, or you will not play. It's pretty simple. It's pretty simple with that guy. But as far as, and I know the fan base is fired up, is really, really fired up. But as far as what Rouse is as a player, and and I reached out to the one person that I know that cares about Stanford football, and that's Stanford Steve from ESPN. I was like, hey, man, and he's a football guy, but we we have him on our SiriusXM radio show all the time now. I was like, hey, man, tell me, every what, what what's the word on Walter Rouse? Like, oh, you just got him. Like, how excited I should be, should I be? And he basically was like, hey, He's not a world beater by any means, but I like the fit at OU. And that's the thing. And he said that before I started watching the tape. And I agree. He gets the job done. But 
with what he's put on tape at Stanford, he doesn't have the main streak to finish blocks that we typically see from the interior offensive lineman that Bill Beanbow coaches. That has to change, right? That, so that's why I'm trying to say, like, he's not going to all of a sudden come in and be a first-team All-American. Like, he's going to have to work to get to, you know, even an all-conference type level. So how much coaching is he willing to take and how much can Beanbow get out, get out of him when it comes to finishing blocks? Because I agree with Stanford, Steve, I, I watched the tape and I was like, Hey, he gets the job done, but he's not exactly burying dudes down in and down out. Yeah. That's something that I'm hoping Schmitty and everything they do in the weight room and, and with that strength and conditioning program and, Beanbow, I'm hoping they can pull that out of him. Yeah, well, you know, that's that's the reality of, I mean, think about tackle, left tackle is an ultra-premium position. And I, if you're really good, you're going to the NFL. You're not going to the transfer portal, you know? So there's there's kind of a, there's a cap on, how good of a player you're going to be able to get in the transfer portal, you know, but this kind of fits what they've, what they've targeted. They want guys with experience. They want guys, um, you know, that have played a lot of football that come with uh, no baggage that are smart, that are dependable. I mean, you just look at the list of guys, uh, Bothroyd, not going to blow you away, but consistent, Played a ton of football. You know exactly what you're going to get. The uh, the kid from Tech, Pearson, you know, played a ton of football, ton of experience. You know, just kind of, you know, a lot of these guys, as you go through it, that's that's kind of what you get is guys that have been out there, like Stogner's got played a ton of football, uh, going to be dependable. I mean, that's, that's what you're going to get. Rarely, like, we may have got a superstar in Deshaun McCullough, but that's not going to be – typically what you get, you know, in the transfer portal because the elite guys are superstars where they are. They're typically not going to be leaving, and if they do leave, they're going to the NFL. It's that kind of tier right under it. Super dependable, played a lot of football, maybe looking for something else there to maybe elevate themselves a little bit from where they've been, and he fits that to a T. And when you you look at Rouse, clearly the head coaching change at Stanford I'm sure played a large role in it. And I think he's probably looking at it going, Hey, I, I assume he's gotten his degree there at Stanford or he's close to being done. And like, once you have that Stanford degree, awesome. Right. But now it's time to get somewhere where, you know, you can put yourself in the best position to be drafted, right. To yep. be drafted high. And I, I think that with Beanbow's reputation, I, I have to imagine that 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 was a that was certainly a big factor when it came to him flipping from Nebraska to Oklahoma, right? Because Beanbow he, he keeps putting guys in the league, right? The, yeah. the track record is proven, and Oklahoma in general, right? E even though Beanbow didn't coach him. I don't think that it's lost on Rouse that, you know, you, you see the first players all pro team that's ever been put out, both tackles, Lane Johnson and Trent Williams are OU guys. Yeah. Right. And then you look at the AP pro 
uh, AP All-Pro team, same thing. Those two guys and then Creed Humphrey, who is a beaten bow guy, second team. So you're talking three out of the ten on the AP All-Pro team are OU offensive linemen. Like that is – that that's something that the Rouse kid is fully aware of. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how NIL factored into all this. I haven't asked. I don't care. But what I do care about is that they got deeper and better, and I feel like the the floor of the level of play that this team's going to get it tackled, like the floor has been raised, and that's a very, very, very positive thing. Yep. No, I agree. I agree. Uh, you know, this this doesn't, you know, just totally fill out the puzzle, though. Like the biggest thing that we have to have happen is – the young guys that are on campus that have been there for a little bit of time need to have a hell of an offseason whenever it comes to development. That's physically, that's mentally understanding this offense. Now that you've had a year in it, you understand the language, you've got it all down. Like it's time to have some really big growth. I'm talking to Savion Bird, I'm talking to Jake Taylor, I'm talking to Rain. You know, these guys need to really have a big offseason. And it's not just offensive line. That's that's across the board for this football team. Yeah, but it certainly it, – it makes everything easier on offense if you get good offensive line play. Makes it way, way easier. So, very excited about the Walter Rouse edition. Uh, I think that's big time uh, for the 2023 season. But we'll see. I, I am – damn, I'm interested to see how good he looks – after an off season with Bill Beanbo. It's yeah. it's going to be interesting to see how much different it looks compared to what I watched of what I could find uh, of him this season. I I'm curious, there's no doubt about it. Now, mention those guys that made all pro, a couple other oh you guys made all pro as well. Uh, don't want to don't want to ignore old CD Lamb and Jalen Hurts who are also named second team all pro, which CD, we knew he was that type of guy, but how about Jalen Hurts, man? I know. Never. I if you would have told me Jalen Hurts was going to be an all pro NFL quarterback, I just I I never I never thought he was going to be the type of player that he was. And credit to Nick Sirianni and that Eagles staff and that offensive line. But like he he had an awesome season. If he wouldn't have gotten hurt, could have been NFL MVP. Yeah. Probably would have been NFL MVP. Continued that rate of play that he was on he definitely would have been yeah but it always good to see the OU guys on the all pro team that is that's big time and I think just in the NFL playoffs I think it was only two schools that had more active players than OU playing in the playoffs which is I think OU was like 18 guys or something like that wow that's crazy and I think it was LSU and Georgia I want to say were the two that had more could be wrong. I, I I saw a graphic. I'll just say it. It is graphic season. I saw it a graphic. Is graphic season. I know there's a bunch. Of, I feel like there's there's guys in pretty much every game that you could watch. K uh, nine Kenneth Murray was was getting some action last night. So yeah, there's there's a bunch of guys out there playing some good ball. Yeah. Okay. The other big story for OU football: the mid year arrivals the mid-year enrollees have moved in and and shout out to the the twitter stoops bros 
who goes through like all those pictures and puts the names like above or on each one of them. It's very, very helpful. So nice. I appreciate it. I need thank to check you. that out. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Stoops bros, Twitter. Because the only person I could really tell who it was, was, uh, Pachati. He kind of stands out from the crowd. Okay. He looked like he was six six in that picture, didn't he? He looks like Captain Damn America, dude. What is <laughs> what he almost has like a Drago look to him. I know. It, I was he that's interesting you bring that up because I was looking at that picture. Like it's it's all the early enrollee freshmen and, and some of the transfer guys. He stands out and Adabare's in the very back, so you can't really see him. Yeah. But he stands out. If you just look at the picture, you're like, who the hell is that guy? He looks huge. Huge. I, I I don't know who he's standing next to, but like there's not a bunch of short guys in this class and he's standing next to Ashton Sanders, a defensive lineman, and Pachotti looks bigger than him. Like straight yeah. up. He's he bigger. Huge. <laughs> oh, it's funny. I was like, Well, hey, we know who the uh like who the attention getter in this group is going to be. He's just right. He's just cheesing. You're right. Captain America is what it looked like. Just it. I'll say this. I've got no problem saying when another dude is good looking, <laughs> that guy, if he can play, that guy is going to make some serious NIL cash. Handsome dude, like a comically chiseled jaw. Yeah, like out of a out of a magazine, like it it's like out of a comic like a book. cartoon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Book. He looks exactly. like a cartoon. That's it. That's the perfect way to put it. That's uh, funny. Yeah, that was pretty cool seeing all those guys. That's a big group for mid year arrivals. Yeah, we got a lot of new faces, and clearly very important that they're going to be in winter workouts. Where what's the best way to put it, Ted? Uh, bonds are formed. Yeah, and you know. It typically like they're they're not going to be showing up at a good time, you know. Whenever you've got a uh, a staff change, and there's a big transition. I you there's got to be some like easing into things a little bit. You don't want everyone to jump in the portal and bail on you. I it's going to be. I think this winter's going to be cranked up when it comes to uh, the difficulty level over last year. It's. It's like the first year of like law school or med school. We're like, hey, how bad do you want this? <laughs> right. You know, weed yeah. it out. Right. That's and right. I, that, that is, I, I think that's coming. And just, I, I love how OU's coaching staff and the sports staff, they help these guys move in. I think that's very, very cool. Yes, it plays very well uh, on social media, but also, you know, when you talk about being a, you know, Brent Venables talks about it all the time, being a servant leader, doing all that stuff and, and seeing those guys carry bags and carry all kinds of stuff and help these guys move into their dorm there at Headington Hall. It, it's never not going to be cool to me, but one thing will always stand out. I'm never getting tired of the pictures of Jerry Schmidt moving these new kids in with that smirk on his face. Man, it, like, it's the only way you can you can like it's a smirk it's exactly what it is you could you can almost see the evil behind it this is this is the way i'll put it he knows he knows they don't know <laughs> they think they know but they don't know and he yeah. knows they think they know but don't know yeah and the he's pain is coming up about how good a shape they they look like they're in and 
how hard they've been working. You'll be fine, big dog. As, as much work as you put in, you'll you'll cruise. It's be easy for you. There's no preparing for what's about to happen to them. <laughs> like you think you can, you you think you can. Like you've been working hard. You're like, no, no, I'm gonna be ready. There's just there's no getting ready for it. The change is, yeah. it's drastic and painful. You know, it's. I'm trying to think. What's is it worse to be dropped in, like right into winter, or is it worse to start in summer? I think it may be worse to start in winter. The lifts are harder. As a guy that was not good at lifting weights, being dropped in summer. Now my story is a whole different because I had I broke my foot twice before I got there for for summer. So it was my freshman summer was the worst like two and a half month stretch of my life. I was miserable, but winter would have been even worse because of the emphasis on lifting. And I just wasn't good. It would have, uh, uh, I don't think it would have gone well. Yeah. It's different. It's tough. You've got, you know, whenever you do the, the coaches workout County fair, whatever people call it, they look a little bit different than they used to, but that is a, uh, it's that that will test you right there brutal so may the lord bless and protect these young men <laughs> best of luck boys we're rooting for you uh what one cool thing jackson arnold named gatorade national player of the year and wins it over arch manning over malachi nelson uh, i mean ou's First high school signee to win the award. Now, remember, Kyler won it back in 2014, but he transferred for A&M. So, I mean, that is – the kid was coming in with enough hype, but that that's big time, man. I mean, Gatorade National Player of the Year, that's huge. It's huge. Now, don't worry about the list of guys that have won it recently, okay? I know that it – you look at it and it's like, well, where's he playing? Well, where's this guy playing? Where's that guy playing? I, We've had – Kyler was great. You know, we've had several softball players win it. They've won national championships at Oklahoma. So, as far as, like, the curse, that's not a, an Oklahoma curse it, right now. Is that's, it like being on the cover of Madden? Kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's – recently, that's kind of the case. But – Last year's winner was the uh, freshman there at Penn State, running back who rushed for over a thousand yards for them. He had a he had a great year. So, but there are there are some. Um, well, where's he now? Uh, players on there for sure, but still, I think it's an awesome honor and it says a lot. And I think one of the most exciting things about it is you got to remember this kid was a four star whenever he committed to Oklahoma. And now he's been handed the Gatorade National Player of the Year. Like that is the amount of improvement he's made over you know uh, a calendar year has been incredible, which gives you a lot of hope for you know what's the ceiling going to be? How good can this kid get? Yeah, and I I still think it's you now when you talk about his development and what's best for him having a veteran guy like Dylan Gabriel with the demeanor that he's got in that room with him to help him learn and grow. I, I think that's, 
extremely valuable, but that's a hell of an honor. And if the, if the expectations weren't already high enough for Jackson Arnold, just, uh, just sprinkle it a little more on it, man. Jeez. Yep. Yep. That kid, I don't know. Like stepping into winter workouts is going to be a shock to everyone else, but I think the expectations of for Jackson Arnold, what the fan base is kind of throwing on his shoulders <laughs> is like, maybe that's going to be the big shock for him when he gets here. Yeah. Yeah. The only other thing, uh, LaDamian Washington, you know, we talked about Emmett Jones taking over as the wide receiver coach and Brent Venable saying that they were fighting like heck to hold on to LaDamian Washington. Well, he ends up moving on and becoming the wide receivers coach at Western Kentucky. You saw an outpouring of support from the wide receivers he coached in his one season uh, as the wide receivers coach at OU. Uh, you saw it from multiple other players as well, not just the wideouts. But I'll just say this. I I really enjoyed my interactions with LaDamian Washington. We're the same age. It, it was cool to see a guy that young getting his shot. And, man, I – I've got all the respect in the world for that guy, for the way that he handled his business. And at any time I talked to the wide receivers about him and about him taking over that role, they were incredibly complimentary and, and always brought up how much they thought he cared about them, not only as players, but as people. And this was a guy that was thrown in a very, very awkward and difficult situation after the Kale Gundy thing unfolded and, I hope he goes and kills it, man. I, I think, I think he's, I think he's got a bright, bright future in coaching. Uh, I think he's got the right priorities. I think he handles his business the right way, and hope I wish that dude all the luck. He he was awesome. Yeah, yeah. He it wasn't easy, and you mentioned it. the The spot he was kind of thrust into wasn't easy, but you know it was it was a great opportunity for him. You know, and yeah. He didn't get to retain the the spot here at Oklahoma, but he's now wide receiver coach at Western Kentucky. He's got a good jump on on his future, right? He's he's a young man, and you know, getting that that year of work there as a wide receiver coach at Oklahoma is going to look really good on the resume. Um, Western Kentucky got a really good one, so yeah, I'll be anxious to see where he ends up. There's going to be there's going to be some good things in the future for him for sure. Yeah, so. Wish LaDamian Washington the best, and he was he was a lot of fun to deal with uh, on the media side of things. So hopefully he goes and balls out there at Western Kentucky. Okay, let's get to call your shot. We asked you guys what was the most important thing that happened this weekend for Oklahoma football. I love this first one that comes from Jazva, I think, J-O-Z-S-V-A. I don't know. I'm sorry, man. I don't know how to say it, but he says, no controversy. Example. No one is in jail. It's a good point. Uh, don't say that. I, I, you never know. You never know. But yes, so far, uh, you feel like things <laughs> progressed okay through the offseason. This, this one comes from Smoking with Sap. Okay. Who says, <laughs> I love this. Coach B and BV needing wheelbarrows for their nuts this week for Rouse. So much meat added to the defensive line and offensive line. Loving it. I love how he framed that. That's beautiful. Well said, Sap. Yeah. Yeah. It looked like it was going to be a, you know, they felt good about it. You know, we're 
were in a good position. And then you saw the announcement that he was going to Nebraska. Um, that hit hard. And it was like, dang, okay, well, what do we do now? What is what is plan B? And I don't know that they had a plan B. I'm sure they did. But being able to get that back, however that happened, is crucial to our offseason for sure. No doubt. Now, I've got to read this last one. It comes from Bad Hop Single who wrote a poem as the response (laughs) players committed. We have reasons to boast, not surprised. We're still better than most coaching got better. Seven losses are past 230 days until we can kick everyone's ass. That's pretty good. Snaps for bad hop single. Yeah. I'll say if you write poems as the call your shot response, that's definitely going to enhance your uh, chances, the, the odds that, that we read it on here. Should it be the only way it gets read is if it's in poem form? I don't know what, I, I don't know, know what kind a, of can of worms that opens, man. I know we don't want to go down that road. I don't think, but, <laughs> but overall very, very positive weekend for Oklahoma yeah. football. All right, let's get to birthday shout outs. Happy 21st birthday to Rebecca and Army Specialist Daniel Marie. Let's go. Happy 27th birthday to Sean Rowland. Happy 28th birthday to John Stein. Happy 33rd birthday to Heather. He woman still? I think that's right. All right. Hey woman. He woman. I don't know. It was what I just type it how they send it, man. <laughs> Heather, he woman steal. Yeah. Hey woman. Is that like a, a dude? If you just called her he woman and that's not what it is. Oh boy. Well, Hey, I just read. What was you're that. just, you're like Ron Burgundy, man. You're just reading the prompter <laughs> in front of me. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Happy 39th birthday to Steven branch. Happy 41st birthday to Chad Littlefield. Okay, you're 41, right? Yes. Okay, because he said he was the same age as you, I'm pretty sure. Someone said that. He's like, he's layman's age. So I I was like, I just took that as 41. Yeah, 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 I'm 41. God, I'm sitting here thinking, like, am I 41 or am I 42? Dude, I'm 32 now. Getting so old. Happens quick. Happens quick. Happy 89th birthday to Mitch Burris. And happy birthday to Walker Williamson. All right, let's get to the National College Football Roundup. But first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 600 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including, yes, my favorite, Java Hamari. That coffee is fantastic. Loves also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile-to-go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Loves Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Loves Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Loves Travel Stops. For a full list of what Loves has to offer, visit loves.com. Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise. If you want to live your life in buttery soft comfort, 
Go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com and use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. You still get a discount on all the OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. Um, Update. 17-17. Dolphins came back before half. Yeah, about to be half. Wow. So Okay. So if you were thinking maybe Ooh. Dolphins as loser of the weekend, you may you may reassess. Could be Bills. Could be could be Bills. We'll see. We'll see. But all right. National College football roundup time. And unfortunately, starting with some tragic news, man. Uh, Georgia had their national championship celebration in Athens on Saturday and tragedy struck that program early Sunday morning, a single car crash where offensive lineman Devin Willock and recruiting staffer Chandler LaCroix both end up passing away. Uh, There was also, there was another offensive line, Warren McClendon. And another female passenger were in the car as well, but but they have survived. It sounds like McClendon is doing well, uh, but the other female passenger uh, still. I, I don't know if she's completely out of the woods, but it sounded like she's possibly, you know, I, I don't want to assume anything, but we'll, we'll see how that ends up playing out. But just brutal, man. A, a time when this program is supposed to be celebrating what is an unbelievable accomplishment when it comes to winning national back-to-back national championships and to lose, you know, two pieces of the program, right? A player and a staffer, just awful, man. Awful. Yeah. It's, that's tough. You know, those, the, the teammates, the, the coaching staff, the fans, obviously the family, that's just brutal to go through, uh, you know, after such a, you know, such a positive time and everyone's happy and feeling great and just celebrating. And, you know, this is the time to really sit back and, and feel great about, you know, the the last however many months and what's gone on. Uh, it's just brutal that, that this has happened. You know, I hate it. Such a promising young, young football player. Played quite a bit for them. Had done some good things. Had a had a real bright future ahead of them, you know. And obviously, uh, the someone on the staff there too, which is to be to be associated with with Georgia football at this time is is really a good good catalyst and a, a jumping off point for whatever it is that you want to do in your life. And I don't know. It just uh, that's just brutal. I hate it. I yeah. So clearly all our thoughts and prayers uh, to the Willock family, uh, to the Georgia football family, to the LaCroix family, but just, you know, as, as a guy that lost a teammate in college, uh, it stays with you and no, no, really no matter what the circumstances are. And uh, hopefully those, those players, you know, get, get the proper resources like if especially those guys in that o-line room right because you become such a tight-knit group uh, you spend so much time together hopefully 
hopefully Georgia provides those guys uh, with the resources that that they may need to kind of digest this and work through it because it's tragic and it's traumatic, man. And that's just that's that's the reality of the situation. And you know, clearly, you feel for the families, but these are guys that are supposed to be, you know, on cloud nine right now, celebrating the title, and to have this happen, just oof. I can't imagine. You know, you talk about the high they were on to this taking place and where they're at right now. That is, uh, that that couldn't have been easy. No, no, it's you don't expect those those type of swings. You know, it's but that's how it, I mean. It's just that's the harsh reality of it. Is you know, do you you just can't ever get too comfortable in life, like. You got to make sure that you're in good standing with the the folks around you because you never know what what could happen. You know, it's just I hate it. Hate talking about that on a on a Sunday podcast. You know, it's it's brutal for Georgia and obviously their family. Gosh, just a promising young man and and as a parent to just see what the future may hold and how great everything's going and just have all of these these aspirations for your child and things that you want them to accomplish and it's just the dagger just brutal yeah and i mean not that it's not that it's necessarily relevant but this this is a guy that was going to play in the nfl mm-hmm. i mean he still had a couple of years left there at georgia had played some football for him had started some games i mean this is this is a guy that was going to make significant money playing football in the future in all likelihood. And I, I know that, you know, they, that may not matter, but it is like, like you said, I, you know, I talked to some people. It's like, this is a guy that would, we were really, really excited to watch play on Sundays. And I guess just from everything that I've been able to gather, just an awesome kid, fun guy to be around kind of life of the party type of guy. And just gone way too soon. 20 years old, man. 20. Oof. Yeah. And wow. This I, I and I only saw a couple and it comes from burner twitters and all that stuff. I I'm a big believer in karma. I am. I think kind of the energy you put out in the world is kind of the energy you get back. And there are a lot of people that hide behind burner twitter accounts and say just incredibly hurtful and hateful things. Willock, he had an NIL deal with a law firm that specializes in car wreck injuries. And if you're one of those people that for likes and retweets tried to turn that into a joke, I hope you get what you deserve. Yeah. I hope I hope the universe got like whatever you believe in. I hope that you get what you deserve making that into a joke. I really do. So so... uh, we'll leave it at that. Right. And it's, but it's just crazy to me that some people like there's a person doing that, even though they're hiding, you know, anonymously, there's a person out there doing that, which is just unbelievable to me. Yeah. Uh, Hey, I, it's, it's shocking. The, um, I, I I can't even I can't even 
think of the the thought process of how someone would think that's a great thing to do on a on a sad Sunday morning like you don't have anything better to do than to uh to try and bring an extra amount of pain and and hurt for the people close to uh the young man and the and the rest of the I, it's just I don't even know how to think about that. Like it just doesn't even register. Yeah. I don't, I prayers to that family, to Georgia football, uh, to the little Croy family and not an easy transition, man. Not, you know, uh, but Dabo Sweeney, some big moves over the weekend, uh, fired his offense coordinator there at Clemson and was able to poach Garrett Riley from TCU uh, Clemson signed him to a three-year, $5.25 million contract, making Garrett Riley one of the highest-paid coordinators in all of college football. This is a guy that just won the Broyles Award, just had a phenomenal season with TCU. Uh, that offense was was a big reason why, was the main reason why they had the season that they had, and also one of the main reasons why is what he was able to do with Max Duggan as the quarterback's coach, but Ted, people's, people wondered if Dabo's loyalty to his staff and, you know, kind of doing things internally would prevent something like this from happening. But to his credit, Clemson's offense has been underwhelming lately. Dabo did what he had to do, and that's a that's a big get for that program. Yeah, it is. That's, you know, he's the hot star right now uh, with what went on at TCU. And, you know, I, I guess – I, I can't really blame Garrett Riley for doing it. You know, if if you are uh, – if you're the hottest commodity out there and you've got an opportunity to maybe take a big gig with a bunch of money uh, while you can uh, that you feel has a, a really bright future, you maybe jump on it. You know, that you do have to feel like even though I, I think they're going to be able to put some, some good players back together, do have to feel like TCU had – you know, lightning in a bo- bottle there for for one season. Will they be able to replicate that? I don't know. I won't. I won't. You know, take anything away from what they did, but you know, it very that very easily could have been a totally different year for them. So I don't blame Garrett Riley for taking advantage of the situation whenever he's got a chance. You know, sometimes yeah. whenever you wait around a little bit too long, that moment passes you by. Yeah, and that's why I was kind of thinking, well, why would he do it, right? Clearly, the money is substantial, right? $1.75 million a year, that is a ton of money to coach football. It just is. But Dabo, he's made a lot of coordinators into head coaches, right? He he has, and I, I just wonder – is it because Garrett Riley, maybe he thinks TCU can't replicate that success that they had this season? Or is he just viewing it as like, hey, I can go learn from, you know, one of the best coaches in all of college football. Like, that, Dabo's a goof, right? He, he's a goober, but, I mean, the results are the results. Guys won national titles, and everyone – you know, talks about how good the culture is there at Clemson. I, I wonder if not only Riley looks at it as a you know opportunity to make a lot more money to coach more talented players, right, with the way that Clemson recruits, but 
I wonder if he he views it kind of as a better path to becoming a big time head coach, learning from Dabo and learning about you know what the keys have been for the amount of success that Clemson's had, even though they've had two disappointing years in a row. Like it doesn't take away what they were able to accomplish, you know, over the last decade. Right. So let's see, he was he's been at Kansas, he's been at SMU, and now TCU, right? Correct. Do you know where he was before Kansas? Was he at Tech or? Pull up his the old Wikipedia real quick. Well, the thing I'm kind of like this. This will be his first shot. He definitely could have stayed at TCU. And after the run TCU had, there's no doubt that there's a lot more people aware of TCU. But like this will be the first stop at. I don't consider Clemson a blue blood, but you know where I'm going. Like that, that's an elite program right now. Like yeah, you're he, now at the elite. This is like a you've made it. He was a high school coach, and then Augustana College, which is a private school in Illinois. He was a running backs coach. Then he was a GA at East Carolina. And then was the outside wide receivers coach at East Carolina, then went to Kansas, then was the running backs coach at App State, then SMU, TCU, Clemson. So you talk about that's a quick rise, man. It is. It's a quick rise. And like this, this gives you legitimacy. Like you're no longer, and I know TCU is a power five school, but like you've gone from a non power five school to, the offensive coordinator at Clemson, one of the top elite schools in the country in a year, uh, in a calendar year, like that's, you take that opportunity, right? Cause you got to lock yourself in with like the who's who of college football by going to an elite school. So I don't blame him at all. Yeah. I, I will say, I wonder at what point he's going to be like, Working for Sonny Dykes was a lot different than working for Dabo. Yeah. There's going to be that moment of realization. And maybe it's already taken place. But those are those are two very different dudes. Where do you yeah. talk about Sonny and Dabo? So it's going to be, but maybe maybe that's what Riley looked at. It's like, hey, this is another chance to learn from one of the best coaches, right? There's only a handful of coaches out there that have won multiple national titles. Dabo Sweeney's one of them. I'll tell you this. I bet you Cade Klubnik's happy. Yeah. Well, he's he's headed to like this isn't one of those situations where you're going to an elite program who's had one of the best offenses in the country and the offensive coordinator just got hired as a head coach somewhere to take another opportunity and you're stepping into a situation where it's like my goodness, they've been absolutely rolling. I've got to keep things going. Uh, he's he's it's it's a better situation to be stepping in to be able to improve some things. Their offense has been bad the last two years. He's he's being viewed as the savior of that offense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's definitely how just the reaction to Clemson that I've seen from Clemson fans. That's that's how it feels. And hey, we'll see if. Garrett Riley can do, you know, what he did with Max Duggan this year. We'll see if he can do that with Clubneck, but hug your nearest TCU fan, people. 
<laughs> got right. smacked in the title game, right? Especially the ones that were there getting rained on. <laughs> oh. Got smacked in the title game. Some of them got rained on, and then you lose uh, your your star young offensive coordinator. Just not a overall not a great week for the Horn Frogs, but I do wonder who is going to replace him. I mean, Sonny Dykes. There's a lot of people that want to go work for Sonny Dykes, right? Especially after the year that they just had. But Seth Luttrell available, Jake Spavadol, remember who was the Texas State coach who got let go? He's available. There's a name out there that seems to very much divide the TCU fan base every time it pops up. Some Kendall Bryles smoke. And uh, Sonny, this is the way I'll put it. Sonny Dykes has every TCU fan right now fired up and on his side. Hiring Kendall Bryles would, that would be like the only thing he could do that could get some TCU fans off his side. You got to remember, Gary Patterson and Art Bryles hated each other. (laughs) I mean, hated each other. So I... That's the only thing. And you've already seen some TCU fans be like, hey, no, 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 no. Like, we got it. We we got things going in a really, really good direction. Don't do it. So, I, we'll see. Yeah, I don't know. I'm fascinated by that as well. Um, there's a lot of really good offensive coordinators out there. Um, you know, there's obviously those that have, that have good connections. Uh, you mentioned Seth Luttrell. He and Sonny Dykes have – I've known each other for a really long time. Um, you know, Seth was that head, head coach at North Texas and got let go, but, you know, obviously has had a lot of success as an offensive coordinator himself. So probably would, would be real comfortable stepping back into that role. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know. It, it's a big hire for him. And I think Sonny's also hinted at that he may not, want to coach for a whole lot longer you know like he's got a handful of years left in him four or five years perhaps and then he wants to step away so you know it could be a hire where you know TCU kind of wants to start vetting hopefully maybe the next name that takes over as head coach whenever Sonny Dyke steps away so it's a it's a big hire for sure just don't put the coach in waiting label on him don't do it don't do it. Never no. turns out good. No. <laughs> Never turns out good. But yeah, clearly that is going to be going to be a lot of guys that want that job. And it's going to be really interesting to see who Sonny Dykes ends up hiring. Or hey, maybe he promotes, elevates a guy like Malcolm Kelly. I don't know yeah. if Malcolm's a guy that wants to be a coordinator. Right? Some guys just want to be position coaches, just want to focus on. But maybe Malcolm's a guy that has ambitions of being an OC and wants to throw his hat in the ring. I I, I don't know, but. It, it seems like he'll have options, right? Like yeah. there's going to be a lot of people that want that want that job. For sure. It's, it's as good of a job as it's ever been right now, for sure. Okay, the last thing I want to cover here. And man, I've been so excited. You and, for for people, just so you understand. Teddy and I do not communicate in between podcasts. It's like <laughs> we want to be we want it to be as real as possible when it comes to our reactions and our thoughts. And what we're bouncing off each other. Dude, I've been so excited to hear your thoughts on the Jaden Rashada situation. 
it seems like an absolute mess in Gainesville, Florida. This was a guy, he was committed to Miami, flipped to, flipped to Florida, and, and all the reporting I've seen, right? Remember, when the $13 million figure came out, we all were like, no way. There's no right. way that's the number. But, dude, that is the number that keeps coming up. It keeps being reported. It keeps getting put out there time after time after time. And so I'm going to choose to believe that the reporting is accurate. And That's- what what is going on? Like the deal fell through. Now they're negotiating. His dad says he hadn't got it out of his letter of intent, that they're negotiating. They're having conversations with Florida. Like what the hell is going on with this thing? I don't know. It's hard to get any real information, but I someone said to me that a, a, a staffer at the collective made a mistake on the contract, and that's kind of been the hang-up. And I, I don't know exactly what it was, but apparently it's thrown this whole deal into – a uh, a tailspin because he was maybe expecting a, a big chunk of money up front and I, and I, I I don't know the details of the contract but this is what you get whenever you when you turn it into a money situation like this is what you get when kids are going somewhere because of the money and you know Florida's I think Florida's got some good things going for them but I if you're going somewhere because of the money, when something bad goes down or there's a miscommunication, it's a lot harder to keep guys. All right. It's just, you know, in this case, I don't think he's going to find a match for that $13 million. I think the rest of the country is, uh, at least I am laughing at the fact that Florida is going to give a high school kid $13 million. It's the dumbest thing possible, but I'm not mad at, Jaden Rashada for that. That's not his fault. That's Florida's collective's fault for throwing money down the drain on a kid like that. But, you know, hey, this is this is what you get when you go the transactional route. Yeah, and uh, that's why you, ha- you, you hear not only Brent Venables, but several other coaches say, like, hey, it can't just be about the NIL deal. Like, you have to have a good relationship with these kids. Like, and, and you – even though the university can now work with the collective, like you have to have a common understanding of the plan. And I, I still don't know if I believe the $13 million figure, but I know this, if Jaden Rashada and his family signed a contract that said this collective is going to give them $13 million. And then without cause, they tried to cancel that contract. Yeah. I'd be pissed too. Like we all would be think about if your employer was like, Hey, we're going to pay you X. Here's the contract, sign it. It's legally binding. Here we go. And then they tried to back out of it. All of us would be like, no, no, no. What the hell? Give me my money. That's what we agreed to. That is what you contractually agreed to. But I don't, is this salvageable? Like, let's say they get him a different NIL deal. I feel like the public damage has already been done, man. Now, maybe he ends up being a stud and he wins him a bunch of games and we all forget about this entire thing and we laugh about it down the road. But I, 
it I doesn't think, feel like a great way to start off if you're Jaden Rashada and you're in that locker room. I think the damage is is going to be done to the collective, right? Because it sounds like that's where the issue was. Uh, there's still maybe a, a good chance that Rashada wants to go to Florida, likes the staff, like everything that, that has happened has been great up until this point, except for whatever has happened with the the collective. So maybe if the collective can negotiate themselves out of this thing, then you could still have a, a happy ending there for everyone. But I, I don't know. I, there's no way to justify $13 million for this kid. No way. I don't care how good he is. There's, you just, you cannot do that. It's ridiculous. It's a massive waste of money. You, you also don't want to lose your highest ranked recruit in your recruiting class. Well, it's, you have to, if you're Florida's collective and you're Florida staff, like you got to find a more reasonable figure. I, I firmly believe some of these five-star quarterbacks are signing deals where they are making two to three million dollars, maybe total. But I, I, th- I, I bet some of them are getting two to three million dollars guaranteed each year. I think that's reasonable. Like if you talk about the face of your program, eventually a guy that like there's there's clearly some risk in guaranteeing that amount of money to a high school kid, but if you're going to bet on anything, you're going to bet on five star quarterback. You're not. You're not throwing that type of money at anyone else, right? But I just I'm so interested in how Florida's gonna fix this mess, man, because it's it is not a good look. Not a good look publicly. It just isn't. It looks awful. They look they look disorganized. They look stupid. That's how they look. Yeah. Yeah, it looks bad. I, I don't there's a lot of this going on though, man. There's a lot of We've seen a lot of numbers being thrown around, but it just, it still appears like there's not a whole lot of checks clearing into accounts, right? It's like, it's like they're finding ways to get people in on these big contracts. And I don't know if they're tying it to performance or what it's tied to necessarily, but it just doesn't feel like the, the cash is ever hitting the account like it's supposed to. I'll say my favorite part of this entire story is people are like, well, Jen Rashad has to make a decision. The, you know, you know, Florida's ad drop date is coming up guys. <laughs> the administration there at Florida is going to make an exception for the borderline five-star quarterback. Okay. Don't, don't worry about the academic calendar for the young man. He'll be fine. It'll all work he's out. An early enrollee, you know, it's like at, at the worst case, you just, you miss a semester and you get started on, on it the next semester. Yeah. Right. All right. Or you go somewhere else that's willing yeah. to pay the 13 million bet yeah. Miami will. <laughs> yeah. Old John Ruiz is going to be, yeah. uh, hit up the Rashad. It's like, Hey, he'll, he'll pay the 13 million just to, just so he doesn't go to Florida. Right. Got to do what you got to do, man. It's the, uh, this is college football now. All right. Let's finish up with our winners and losers of the weekend. But first, 
Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School represents a tradition of educational excellence in Oklahoma City. Grounded in a faith-based education, students prepare to meet their potential with an individualized academic path that strives for success. Bishop McGinnis offers a college prep curriculum that includes 22 AP courses, participation in OSSAA athletics, where they've won over 100 state championships, and numerous clubs and organizations for students to join and grow. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. And attention, business owners, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A dot com. Ted, I think we need to, we need to work efficiently here because... Scoop and score for the Dolphins. They now lead 24-20 with 14 minutes to go in the third. So let's let's pick up the pace. We're going to want to watch the end of that one, okay? Oh, uh, let's do it. Yep. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? How about OU men's hoops? Let's right. go. Got the W. You absolutely have to hold serve at home in this conference this year. You got to win the games that you're supposed to at home. Got a win over West Virginia. Um, you know, they look solid. You know, Sherfield looked good. Um, you know, just got some good play scattered around the roster. Um, I thought <laughs> I loved seeing Porter Moser get hot. That's the maddest I've ever seen him in that. Game. I love he kind of like puffed up. That ref came over and Porter gave him the what do you want to do? What do you want? What, 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 what do you want to do? And I get my favorite Porter Moser is when he gets that crazy look in his eye. And, oh, he had it. That was good. He now, had it. I thought the charge was a good call. <laughs> but yeah. but he did it, and he lost it, and I loved it. Yeah, it was that was wild. Uh, yeah, was was Frischilla on the call? Is that who it was? I don't remember. I had T-Row on. Okay. I, I was just – I was kind of watching and coming in and out of the room, and he's like, you know, eh. Not that bad of a call. And then there's a call like at 30 seconds later. He's like, now that's a worse call. That's one you you could get mad at. Uh, But that was fun seeing him all lamped up. But uh, I thought it was awesome. Good all-around win for the Sooners over West Virginia. West Virginia struggled a bit. But uh, you still, you got to be able to lock those games up whenever you have opportunities in this conference. No doubt. Uh, I know the Sooner faithful probably got a little nervous there at the end of that game. Couldn't, could never get as big a separation or at least maintain the separation, right? And, and credit to West Virginia for, for continuing to battle back. But also dude, West Virginia's late game execution. Oh, missed they, free throws. They were down two. And what was that? What the hell was that shot? They took 
on that last possession, it was or not the last possession. The last possession was a meaningless three that ended up having West Virginia cover the spread, which significant to some. Right. But yeah, I I thought that I, I didn't think West Virginia operated well in the last minute or so. It's wild. It's been tough. You know, West Virginia over like the last three, maybe four years has really they've turned south. Um Typically, you know, whenever they first came to this conference, they were a handful every single year. But seems like things have slowly started to slip there on the court. And it's tough, man. It's tough once you start to lose it for, for an entire, like, four-year cycle, kind of like they have. It's tough to claw out of it. But they got a good coach. We'll see what the future is. But they're having a, a rough year. It's not an easy conference to have a rough year. Yeah, and they miss free throws. Jalen Hill hit his free throws. And Dude, I, I did think I like Jalen Hill this year has been really solid. I He's you, you, you kind of know what you're getting with mm-hmm. him, right? Dude's going to play hard. He's going to score when he gets his opportunity. He's going to guard at a high level. But I, I did think, I, I know a lot of OU fans, they've kind of complained about how the offense has looked, especially late in games, but I, I thought they looked better offensively. Yeah. Some more movement looked a Easier little more bucket. fluid, right? So, shared the ball and, we we talked about this earlier in the year. Like they don't get a lot of easy baskets. They had some, right? Had some dunks. Had some backdoor cuts. Laying in. I thought, yeah, I, I thought it looked better. And then, dude, Sherfield, that dude could just, he could just pull up. He can get buckets, Baller. man. He's fun to yep. watch. Yep, really like him a lot. But yeah, you're right, man. It had a totally different feel to it. Being able to to catch it in the paint, and go in for an easy dunk on a little give and go type of type of play, just. It, it makes the stress level go way down where you're not grinding over every single offensive possession trying to hit contested shots. It's tough. Yeah, I know Sherfield is the big name, right? And he's the leading scorer. It, he, he's earned that. I love you, Zan. Yeah. I, he had some blow-bys by, blow in that game. I like how he pushes it in transition when he gets the rebound off the defensive glass. This is the nicest compliment I can give him. Like, he moves like an NBA player. Yeah, and I just I love how he can push the pace, and I'm 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 very excited about his future in the program. Give yeah. me give me all the Uzan, baby. I like it. Nope, he's a stud, and um, I feel like he's you know, and you get this with the with the transfer. It's kind of the transfer portal era now, so. I think it could take a little little bit maybe for guys to kind of find their their role and exactly their their comfort zone and all of that stuff and it feels like he's he's you know finally starting to find that in this offense and on this team so yeah I agree looking solid man it's I you're still going to be holding on to your butts this season in this conference but that was a good win needed it I'll say this Yuzan if we could franchise tag one player that's who I'm using it on. Yeah, I like that. Protect, protect, portal protection. That's that's actually a good idea. You you can you have a handful of uh, guys that you can protect from the portal. Nope, you're not transferring. It, it's like an expansion draft. Like, no, you can't <laughs> touch him. That's awesome. Put the portal protection on you, Zan Porter. Come on, do what you do. What we got to do to keep that guy in Norman. He's fun to watch. All right, who do you have as your loser of the weekend? Man. I had to go with Iowa State fans. I 
they have to be watching Brock Purdy and saying, where the hell was this guy? Just unbelievable. Steps in, no big deal, hasn't lost a game yet. First playoff start, and what's he rip like? Over 300 yards, three touchdowns in the air. LeBron James is tweeting about him. Everyone on the team says he's a just a bona fide superstar. It's like that has to be frustrating as hell for Iowa State fans, right? Not that he was bad at Iowa State. I mean, he broke a lot of their records, but like in the big moments, in like some of the playoff type of of games that they were in, he cost them. It's got to be frustrating. They went because they lost the bowl game, right? His senior year. Yeah, they went seven and six. With Purdy, Brees Hall, who I, if he doesn't blow his knee out, I think he was going to be the rookie of the year. With Kolar, with Mike Rose, with all those guys. Their most talented team ever with Purdy at the helm, seven and six. It's crazy. And he looks like there now has to be a very real conversation for John Lynch and the leadership there in San Francisco about what they're going to do with Trey Lance. And I was I was looking at some of the stuff Orlovsky put out about Purdy, right? And I don't think anyone does a better job than Dan at putting stuff out and, you know, showing you stuff about playing the quarterback position. I mean, Purdy's going through his progressions. He's going one, two, three, four, like in two seconds. Like he knows exactly what he's looking at, where the ball's supposed to go with what coverage dictates and like, I can't believe it, man. Like, he's playing so damn good. He had some nerves early in that game, but settled in and just, I mean, tore the Seahawks apart. Tore them apart. This is this is one of those situations where you have a awesome football team with a great roster, really good on the offensive line, great skill position players, uh, an excellent defense, right? And your quarterback position has been a roller coaster. Now you've got a young kid in there getting his first starts. So as a coordinator, you pull everything back. Let's keep it simple. We'll rely on our our playmakers. We're just we're not going to put him in positions where he can kill us. We're, we're going to stay conservative, and it works, and it works, and it works, and it works. Right? And you take it really far and then you pay this kid a bunch of money right you can't afford because of the quarterback to to keep everyone else the roster dips and now that you're paying a star you got to ask way more of him so you put more on the quarterback you don't have as good of a supporting cast and it turns into a disaster i've seen this play out over and over and over again hopefully that's not that what they do there at San Francisco, but because of the quarterback position and how much money it costs, there's really not a whole lot you can do to avoid it. And just, just imagine hearing this statement, you know, the 49ers should really think hard about trading Trey Lance and building around Brock Purdy. Yeah. Like that's now a very real conversation. Yeah. Like- I, I don't know what's going to happen. Everywhere else to to continue, like pay those stars, 
And while Purdy's on his rookie deal, you do what you can. And then the fun will be over. Like at some point you're either gonna have to you'll either have to pay him, like assuming he can keep up some solid play, you're gonna have to pay him and not pay everyone else or pay everyone else and get rid of him and try and bring in a new young guy. The interesting thing is because they got him with the last pick of the draft and he wasn't an undrafted guy, that means he's on a four-year deal and not a three. Mm -hmm. So like them saying, you know what, we'll take it with the last pick. It's the greatest. It's potentially maybe the greatest thing ever for their franchise over the next three years. Unbelievable. Good for him, by the way. Like yeah. I always thought, I I always thought he was a very likable guy. He just always had just some crippling mistakes for it. But he's got some great skills. He's been awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, awesome. He's undefeated as a starter, and a lot of people think he could take the 49ers to the Super Bowl. Oh my, yeah, you're right though. Iowa State fans have to be in some type of pain. Like I'm sure they're excited for him. Like that's our guy. Look at him go. But they're also like, they went seven and six with this guy. But you know, I love the offense. It's a that offense is a traditional, like pro style offense. And there's some wrinkles in there, obviously some new, some newer uh, type of concepts. But there's a lot of stuff that just makes it really easy on play action, boot. You know, just just some traditional type of offense. And you know, when you protect it really well, and you've got absolute stars at all of the skill position, you know, you don't have to do a whole hell of a lot. Well, it's been working. We'll see uh we'll see if it keeps working, but yeah. Rock Purdy, how about that? All right, let's get to my winner and loser. But first, First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans and much more, they do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. Make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. And if you're a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing. Head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. you got to grab some of Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate, and you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from blue corn. That's the fancy corn. And that is why it has won more than 25 awards last, but certainly not least. you got to buy some of Balcones Pot Still Bourbon. It's big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. Remember in 2012, Balcones Single Malt won the best-in-glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcones products are the only way to go. Update on Balcones, Ted. They just sold to a big beverage company. We have been in contact with the new ownership, mm -hmm. and we are trying to extend the sponsorship. Those negotiations Good. hopefully will take place this week, but the fancy corn line is in. I, uh, we'll see how it goes, man. Okay. Nervous times, nervous times. So uh, listeners, if you would like to weed at Balcones and say, you guys, you guys need to stay on as sponsors. 
of the podcast that I think that would be helpful. I'm assuming. Right. But I, I don't yeah, think sure. it would hurt anything, but yeah, we are uh, hopefully going to have a meet, have a uh, meeting with new ownership sometime this week. So nice. we'll see. Very cool. We'll see. But yeah. So good, exciting, exciting news for Balconies, but the, uh, the sponsorship of the podcast is it's up in the air. We'll see how it goes. We'll see. We will see. All right. For my winner of the weekend, <laughs> I thought about going with Cliff Kingsbury. I love this story, man. Uh, got fired. Uh, not great, right? But signed an extension in March. So you have to assume he's getting a solid buyout from the Cardinals, right? And I know there's some language in buyouts like, hey, you have to actively seek other work, right? You can't just sit and chill and collect a check. Like you have to be in conversation, that type of stuff. So I, I'm sure he'll get to that at some point. But Peter Schrager reported that Cliff, the multiple teams have contacted Cliff to be their OC. And he bought a one-way ticket to Thailand, is, has told teams, hey, not now, guys. I, I'm, I'm going to go on this trip. I'll see you later. <laughs> I, I think it's so awesome. Like, some coaches, they just jump right back in. They don't take any time or anything like that. I love Cliff Kingsbury. Just like, no, I'm going to Thailand. I don't know when I'm coming back. I'll talk to you guys in a bit. I, I love that, man. It's so funny. Yeah. Uh, it's That's what we all strive for, right? To be able to, uh, you know, be wanted. A lot of people still want you, want your services, and you're like, no, you know what? I'm going to take a a month-long, two-month-long, however long I need to recharge the batteries uh, before I come back and decide to do anything. So, yeah. What, just Cliff and the uh, Instagram model girlfriend going to Thailand? I I don't know if he brought sand to the beach or not, man. (laughs) I'm not sure. I, oh, I, that's great. This is this is the way I'll put it. I either way, Cliff's not going to be hurting in that department there on the beaches in Thailand. I'm I'm fully confident that he will be able to have a good time, if you will. I, I I'm not worried about him. But I am I'm interested to see if he comes back after some type of like spiritual journey or something over there. <laughs> but, I look forward to that. He's going to have an awesome tan. There's no doubt about that. But yeah, rough year. Rough year for Kingsbury, for the Cardinals. You end up losing your job. Not great. But the story of just going over there with a one-way ticket is amazing. Money. Love it. All right. But my winner of the weekend. And and I I debated whether to make the Jags my winner or the Chargers my loser. I'm going to go ahead and give the Jags some credit. The Jacksonville Jaguars are my winner of the weekend. They were terrible in the first half right fell in a 27 to nothing hole uh that was no and trevor lawrence's four interceptions clearly had a lot to do with that but it was not looking good man they were at home they were getting embarrassed on their own field in their first playoff game in a long time run to their fans they're down they're the guy that everyone thinks is the comp or that is kind of the face of the organization moving forward like hey he's figured it out in year two looked awful but they never wavered no and trevor lawrence he he got that thing back on the tracks before the half man and i don't know what doug peterson said at halftime but they kept rolling last five possessions for the jags 
the touchdown before the half, touchdown, 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 game-winning field goal. It's really impressive, like, to to play that bad and to get smacked in the face on your own field in that situation and to keep pushing and not pack it in. That's That was impressive, man. I'm going to give them the credit they deserve. Yeah, and the, the time-consuming drives, too, right? And it's yeah. like, yeah, they're moving the ball, but my goodness – they're running out of time. Didn't have a whole lot of posi- like typically in a game like that, you're going to need a bunch of possessions to be able to come back, but they really didn't. And I don't know, chargers, they get too tight. Like if that was, that was wild. It was a, uh, it was an incredible comeback and uh, I'm happy for him. Doug Peterson, dude, he's done some awesome things in his career as a coach. And yeah, this is and, one of them. Yeah. No, several guys that have played for him. They love him. I love them. So the Jags become the first team in NFL playoff history to be minus five in turnover margin and win, which is insane. It is to be minus five in any game in the NFL and win is insane, let alone a playoff game. It's the third biggest comeback in the history of the NFL playoffs. And the only people that were excited about it were Al Michaels and Tony Genji. Oh my God. What was that, man? Can we get some energy, know. boys? Just like there's this insane comeback happening, and we got nothing. It was so – I'm not one to criticize broadcasters much because it's hard, right? It's a hard job. But, oh, man, everyone was complaining about it. I agree because I was watching the game in the living room, and I was also, like, uh, you know, messing around on my phone, do, watching some other stuff and reading some things, and – I looked up and they're like lined up to kick the uh, the game winning field goal. And I was like, "How has there been no excitement in the on on the on the call to like bring my attention back? Nothing has happened. It's just been blank." It was weird, rather monotone, rather monotone. But you you mentioned like the Chargers did what the Chargers have done, right? I felt for that fan base, man. It was like. It was happening in slow motion, and you could see, you could see it falling apart for them. And it seems like a pretty significant overhaul is coming that that organization's way. I I, I can't imagine Brandy, Brandon Staley survives that one, man. That is, and everyone's pointing at Sean Payton, especially with Justin Herbert and all those things. But I, there, there's got to be a coaching change after that disaster, probably, and. This one's going to play out a little bit different than the old Denver Broncos situation is going to play out, right? Yeah. Like this is you got a young stud quarterback that you've got an opportunity to really capitalize on. Yeah, there's there's going to be some names if that if they're enter the coaching carousel, there's going to be some names that come up for that position for sure. Lincoln Riley will be one of them. Yeah, I would imagine. So uh, people that, have been saying like this job is his since he took the USC job. So we'll see. We'll see. All right, for my loser of the weekend, thought about going with Indiana Pacer Jalen Smith. Ted, did you see the John Morant dunk? I did. And that had a good call. Like that's what the call for the Jags Chargers game should have sounded like. Yes, screaming. Just audible, loud, audible noises. Oh, that was crazy. Yeah, that, that guy 
he's got rocket fuel in his shoes. He he's worth the price of admission, man. And I that's why remember when he got ejected from the Thunder game? Refs got mad at me, man. Mad. <laughs> but that dunk, I, I just feel for Jalen Smith a little bit. I that dunk is going to be replayed until like until the end of civilization. Like this is one of the best in-game dunks I've ever seen. Yep. He just goes up, and then when most people stop to try and dunk, he elevates like another eight inches over the top of that. It's just incredible. It was. But I also thought about going with me and you for loser of the weekend. We have not given OU women's basketball any love on here. And they're balling, man. I watched a bunch of that game against Kansas. Another nice win over a top 25 team. Jenny Baranchek has the Sooners 14 and two. I looked up that I did some digging, Ted. Seventh leading scoring team in the country, 86 points per game. They were like playing some fun basketball last man. year, weren't they? Their offense. Yeah. yeah they score they, points. They're fun to watch, man. Yeah. So, Light it up from three. They got a shot. We'll see. We need to get Coach Baranchek on here at some yeah. point. Maybe for the tournament or something like that. But my loser of the weekend, all of you that wanted the Thunder to tank, all the haters that said they were going to win like 22 games or whatever, I told you to take the over, people. Shay Gilgis-Alexander, he's too good, ladies and gentlemen. And we're recording this before the Thunder's game against a Kevin Durantless Brooklyn Nets. But they're starting to look frisky, Ted. Yeah, They're starting to look a little frisky. Thunder with two wins on a back-to-back dismantled the 76ers on Thursday, 133-114. Put it on the Bulls Friday night, 124-110. And this just in, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, very good at basketball. Very, very good. Are you back in? You watching? Come on. Come on, man. I'm back in. I've started to watch some of the games. Now, I'm trying to remember, did you say that I think you said that SGA's got a legitimate shot at the scoring title, right? Yes, and people told me I was stupid when I said it. Right. Now, the only problem is Luka Doncic's usage rate is, like, insane, almost incomprehensible. So, But he's got a chance to finish second. I don't think he's going to score more than Luka. But he had 37 against the 76ers. He only had, like, 21 against the Bulls. But I think with what just with what I've seen, and I'm not an NBA expert or a hoops expert or anything like that, He's one of, at the very least, like this season, the 10 to 12 best players in the league. He's going to be an all-star starter. He's going to be a starter on the Western Conference all-star team. Did you hear Doc Rivers talk about him after the Philly game? No. I mean, Doc Rivers basically was like, we tried everything. (laughs) Like, nothing worked. We tried everything. Nothing worked. Guy's amazing. Just hearing a coach of, you know, Doc Rivers has been around the block, man. Yeah. Hear him talk about him like that. That was cool. I was just like, yes. Getting fired up. Giddy torch the bulls. (sighs) Getting excited, man. Now, I don't want to get too excited, but all of a sudden you look thunder 20 and 23. Half a game out of that playing. Just say it. They'll make it interesting. They'll make it to the play in. Um, I'm hey, I'm anxious to see what happens whenever Mike Holmgren's son 
finally heals up and is able to get into the mix. What's the what's the prognosis on that? They they still like the the organization's stance on that is still he's not playing this season. Yeah. But he should be returning to the practice floor very 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 soon. Good. Good. So but like it, it does seem like Giddy's starting to figure some things out. Right, he had what twenty five, ten, and six against Chicago, but the thing I like, he looks like he's more aggressive. He's developed like this bag of floaters, like from all kinds of different angles with both hands. He seems to be figuring out how to play off Shea, um, because it it kind of looked like the sophomore slump was happening for him. Mm-hmm. Looks like he's kind of worked through all that, and he's starting to play some better basketball. Jalen Williams. And I've heard several people on different NBA podcasts talk about him. Like, and I don't even think it's really a debate. Like, he's a top five rookie right now with what he's doing on both ends of the floor. Like, the dude is, he's going to be part of this core moving forward. Like, I'm extremely excited about him. So, there's a lot of excitement. Is Giddy still, he's just like 20 years old, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Which didn't stop. I don't know. I tweeted it. I don't know if you saw it, but there was a woman. uh, Giddy did the post-game interview after the Bulls game, and he's walking to the tunnel, and there was a woman that grabbed his arm and was trying to be chosen, Ted. like that look, huh? Like, it was not (laughs) subtle. That's the best way I'll put it. Oh, that's great. Good for him. It was, uh, yeah. I I think uh, the Timothy Chalamet of the NBA is going to be I think he's going to be just fine in that department if I <laughs> if I had to guess. But That's great. I, I will say this. If you are a Thunder fan and your attitude was, I'm not really paying attention until they're good again, I would highly recommend that you come back into the fold now and start watching because it's a very entertaining basketball team. And Shea Gilgis-Alexander is turning in to one of the stars in the league. So I'm just saying, if you've been holding out for them to be good again, they're they're not going to win the title or anything like that. They're not going to make a deep run in the playoffs. I don't see that coming, but they're fun to watch and the dudes play hard. Like I, yeah. they're they're really entertaining. And it's a good time to have one of the up and coming stars in the league because it feels like feels like the the previous generation. Now they're still playing good, but. Like those guys are getting close, right? The 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 guys where it's the same all star game year in, year out, it's the same exact guys. Like that group is getting up there in age, and some of the younger guys are starting to make some waves, and SGA is one of them. Yeah. He made he made Harden look old. And that's not like Harden's a has ever been an elite defender by any means. Don't get me wrong, but he made Harden in some of those possessions. He made him look like he was standing still. I was like, whew. So, just come on back, people. Thunder up. Like Let's it. all do it together. Come like on back. It. On that note, episode 283 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that will drop Wednesday. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me from 2 to 5 on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio, channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. And until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Care of each other.
that I love you for just one. 